Welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami Up and In, episode 14, Mike. 14. 14. 14. Question for for 15, should we do like a Kinsis themed uh, <laughs> podcast? I'll tell you what, we're going to have food for 15. We are, we are. We'll do the reveal in, in, in the next episode <laughs> to, as to not uh, give it up uh, on 14. But yeah, so this is episode 14 of, of Diamond Dreams Miami Up and In. Of course, we need to talk about our music. Evo love music. Sammy love. Giving us the exclusive music. It's ours. It's ours. No one else's. That's right. And, you know, follow him, Evo love music on Instagram. And go check out his band, Radio Stereo. They have a, a very good lead singer. Very good. No, excellent. The best. She's also my wife's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, that's one of seven. We, st- we, we haven't teased the other ones. We exactly. May, you know, we talk about it, but we may have to do something. And of course, we got to talk about our, our businesses, Diamond Dreams Miami Academy. Hey, we're locked and loaded, getting ready for uh, spring 2023. 18 teams in the mix. Um, rookies program reboot. Uh, Super 2's program reboot. Super excited. Let's get it going. And of course, I do real estate. You want to buy, sell. I have a listing coming up tomorrow. I can't reveal it yet until it's All right. listed. All right. Ethically, I can't do so, but in episode 15, <laughs> I go. definitely we'll will. Definitely talk but it's a it. single family home for sale, so you go. look out for it. And we got to welcome to the to the show, to the podcast, Omar Falcón. He was a third round draft pick in the 2000 Major League Baseball draft. Played at Southridge. Eight years of professional ball. More importantly, three boys that play. Three boys, man. Love it. Three boys. And the oldest is at Gulliver, correct? Yes, sir. That is awesome. Welcome to Up and In. Thank you. Happy to be here. A little nervous. <laughs> is this your first uh, time on a podcast? Yes. All right. So it's good. Yes. It's good. No, it's always good. It's good to learn it. We're happy to have you here, man. The, those of you who don't know, uh, me and Omar Falcon go way back to the Cypress Elementary days. Way back there. Then I think we retouched again uh, when he signed pro. Went in the third round. Awesome catcher. And we went again at FIU when I was playing there. Lou Denine was training you when you got your new Cherokee with your signing bonus. <laughs> He's the parking out back. Um, walked his wedding. Late, late call up. And Mikey, well, I was ready to go, man. Ready to go. And, uh, and you know, I've known his dad for another 20-something years. Wow. His dad is a good dude. He was our handyman over at Sluggers uh, when I owned it. And, uh, and now, man. Happy to be here, man. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. No, and you know, he said he said he was kind of nervous, but by mid-show, he's going to be talking about Oh, no, he's good. And what we got here, what we got, we got the old-fashioned cocktail, best enjoyed straight up over ice. There you go. There you go. He's enjoying it over ice. There you go. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, welcome, man. We're happy to have you here. Omar, so, you know, Mike was saying, you know, you you got drafted catcher. Uh, talk to us about your baseball journey. You know, I always, I always find fascinating how you know how you started, how Mike started, how anybody who who made it pro started. So you know, l- let us know where you played along the way, where you played little league, and um, when did you realize that you could do this professionally? So I feel like everybody in Miami played in the mecca of baseball, Tamiami. Uh, I grew up there. Literally five minutes from my house. It was Monday through Thursday, six to eight p.m. Mm-hmm. Two games, and then Saturday all day. And um, 
I remember Saturdays, it was like, you get there at <laughs> 9 a.m., you leave at like 7, 8 o'clock at night. Every field had a barbecue. And, um, like, my parents didn't know where we were. No cell phones, no nothing, nothing right? Nothing. So like, different. Oh, hey, have you seen Omar? Oh, yeah, he was just here about 10 minutes ago. He got a Coke and, and, and took a croquetas and he left. <laughs> and, like, that's how you would keep tabs of your kids, you know? And then um, I went to Southwest for a couple weeks. Uh, Fred Burnside, who I, I adore, like, he could have, I mean, if if there's, like, the epitome of what coaching is all about, he would be it. He was a mentor. He taught. You know, he, um, you know, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was not the most liked player, I guess you could say. Very uh, outspoken, very... Uh, just very passionate about the game, but at a very young age. And people shied away from that. Right. Like, oh, he's a problem. Right. And Fred was like, I'll take care of that. And he did. He took me under his wing, and he was like, hey, we're not, you know, this has to be this, 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 and that. And that's that. And it was. He was a counselor. He took care of it. He, he handled his business with me. And, like, I'll be honest with you, I think it was my sophomore year when um, – I started getting invited to tournaments and stuff where he sat me down and he was like, hey, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to college? Do you want to play pro ball? And as a kid, like, I remember sitting in my front, like, my the front of a, my TV in my living room watching the watching the A's. Yes. Like Hensego, Ricky H I mean, I can probably name the lineup. Like Steinbach. <laughs> Let's hey. name the lineup. First, first base. Hey, so first base was Mark McGuire. Yes. Second base. Uh, Miguel. Miguel. Short right-handed guy. Second base, at least when they won the championship, was Alfredo Griffin. Okay. So and I remember. And shortstop was. was Walt Weiss. Walt, yes. Walt Weiss. Third base. Third base was uh, the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> What was his name? He had a weird batting style. Yes. <coughs> yep. Oh, Barney Lansford. Yep, Lansford. There you go. <laughs> Dave Henderson. Yes. Left. Uh, Ricky. Ricky. Yep. And then obviously Ricky. Jose. Matt. Jose. <laughs> how, how, how good was Ricky, by the way? Very. And how, okay, funny story. So you see Dave Stewart. Oh, I love right? Dave Stewart. Yeah. My God. Low hat. Like you just saw eyeballs, right? Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? Yeah, man. So, uh, so I just remember as a kid seeing that, and just like that was like no way, you know. That was, and then one day Fred just sat me down, and was like, "Hey, man, like this is real, like you know, LSU's calling me, Skip at the time, Skip Berman, and uh, Turtle Thomas, and it's like, hey, this is a real thing, you know." And then I remember. Steven Suarez, his dad, talking to my dad. He's like, oh, hey, pro ball is a thing here. You're right. You're crazy. <laughs> and we went to a Tampa Bay Devil Rays workout. I remember vividly with Steven. And they asked me, like, hey, if you get drafted in what round, what would you sign? And all that stuff. And I was like, guys, I'm going to LSU. Like, that's my thing. I'm going to LSU. The draft, no one, whatever. And when I get drafted in the third round, it was like, like, that's a funny story in itself because I remember 
people were hyping me up. You're going to get drafting and drafting. Fine. I know the draft starts like at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Something like that, right? Yeah. So I go to school and I'm like, I'm ready for this news. <laughs> so, far, right? so 12 o'clock comes around lunchtime. Nothing. And I'm like, fine, whatever. 1.30 comes around and I'm bummed out. I'm going to sixth period. Like, you can just tell I'm deflated. I get in class and I'm sitting there and I don't even want to be there. And I remember uh, I get called to the office. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, what did I do? My senior year, like, I'm not even, like, worried about the draft anymore. And uh, first person I see is Fred. I walk out of the class on my way to the office. Like, what would you do? And I'm like, I don't know, Fred. <laughs> Coach, I don't know. What did I do? Like, I'm just so – I'm depressed. I'm like – yeah, anything. I'm it could be anything. It, it could have yeah. been whatever. I could have gotten a C on a test, and I would just probably started crying, right? And uh, he t- takes me to his office, whatever. He sits me down, and I'm, like, kind of breathing heavy. I'm kind of nervous. He has his, his computer screen on or whatever. And he's like, have you seen this? Thinking it's about my grades. Mind you, like, I understand. LSU, SATs, <laughs> all that stuff has to, like, add up. Cause not, of, you course, can't, you can't of course. Of course. No doubt. And I look at his screen, and he has my name, like, highlighted. And it says San Diego. Nice. 79th pick. Nice. And, like, it was, I guess, skidded. Cause that, everybody that's big was, time, like, man. Came in I love it. You know, and I don't I don't think that, you know, again, you know, SP was a first-round pick. You, yep. were, you were a high draft pick. Um, you know, I went in the eighth round and then in the 13th round, but that's nothing. But you were pick 79. Guys, that's. Like you don't realize, like just yep. just the experience in itself of being the 79th pick and everything that came with that, that you were a top 80 in the freaking country. Like that's big time. Like whether he made time. it or not, you know. And and you know, like I was at the eighth round or 13th round. That's big time for a lot of people that didn't get drafted. Oh, you went in the eighth round. You went in the 13th round. And yeah, it, it's awesome. I was a ten, I'll say it all. Top ten rounder, awesome. But no, man, like these guys were like like this guy was a pick seventy nine, like that's big time. SP was pick like four. Yeah, like that's yeah, big SP, SP time. We didn't make it to the show, but none of us did. But bro, that experience in itself has paved the way for everything, you know. No, absolutely. That's that's big time, you know. And I and I always tell people, you know how how hard it is to to make it to the bigs, you know, because I I worked in in media for a long time, and I I covered a lot of soccer because it was Univision and Telemundo. And the big soccer guys love dogging the American sports. Why? Because you know, of course. Yeah. So they're like, oh yeah, because baseball. And I'm like, listen, man, let's go to the field right now. Throw some fastballs at you. I don't throw that hard, but I'm going to strike you out. Right. Oh, no, no. It's at this and that. And, and I go, listen, you guys have a thousand leagues all over the world. You're a professional You're a professional soccer player. If you play in the Argentinian League, the Mexican League, yeah. in the Venezuelan yeah. League, in the, any league. No. Like, if you play, like, in the Premier League yes. or in Spain, Germany, you're, you're big time. Listen, look, and, I, and, I, and I'm not dogging them, but they like dogging baseball. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's so hard to get to the big leagues, It's Omar, very hard. Armando, it's so right. hard to get to the big leagues. So many things have to happen besides the fact that you got to perform your ass off, okay? Right. But so many things have to happen, okay? Because guys stay there a long time. You know what I mean? 
And that's why it's so special with these little 19-year-old guys, Trouts, get into the league. Like, those guys are so advanced, and they're so ahead of where we were. 100%. It, they, like, it's not even close. Dude, do you remember like, the, the 96 World Series? Andrew Jones comes up at 18 years old, right. and yeah. he's torching yeah. the Yankees. Listen, the, the way that Bryce Harper, and I remember scouting Bryce Harper when I worked for the, for a sports meter, when I worked for them for eight years, um, and we represented Castellano. So I saw Bryce Harper a lot as a, as a young kid. The way he was swinging at 16, 15 years old, his brain was probably like when I was 20. Like he was that advanced. Like the way that he was hitting already in the big leagues at 19, I was maybe beginning to put that together at 25. Like those guys are super ahead of the game. They're so good, and it's so tough to get there. It's not even funny, man. Well, like one thing that people lose track of, and I lost track of it, and I was so like, oh, you're going to be in the big leagues in three, four years, I don't know, fine. So, yes, in Dade County, I was a big dog. And this is <laughs> more a message for the kids than anybody else. Of course. Okay. I'm a big dog at Tamiami. I'm a big dog at Southridge. I'm a big dog at Dade County. Get drafted by the Padres. Supposedly, they have no catching. They had a guy named Ben Davis and Weicho Hernandez. So, I'm like, all right, this is a shoe-in, right? I get there to spring, my first spring training. After I just I, – I signed at 17 – so I couldn't even sign my own contract. My parents had to sign it for me. Signed my first contract, played three months, came back to Miami, hit 280 with four jacks, 17-year-old with wood for the first time, not bad. Get home, and I'm like, cruising. I'm going to get to double-A next year. The year after that, I'm in the big leagues. Three years, boom, right? Because it's whatever. That's what, that's what everybody's dream is, right? First spring training. Just turned 18. I think I'm... Pretty. You're pulling up in your new Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> eh? and, and I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about myself, right? I'm feeling good about myself. There's no catching in this organization. I get there. There wasn't any catching, no. There was only eight catchers. Because you have triple A, you have double A, you have high A, you have low A, advanced A. Rookie ball. Rookie ball, and then you have the Dominican League. So, yeah, there, there wasn't catching. Of course not. There's only eight guys. And then when extended happened and four guys from Dominican came over. So, yeah, this, no, they didn't have any catching. No, they had a bunch of catchers. <laughs> catchers. And then, like, the difference between you and the next guy is nothing. Like, oh, yeah, your arm is great. You're an eight. You're one out of ten, you're an eight. Okay, that guy's a 7.58 as well. You have plus power. That guy has plus power. So what's the difference between me and that guy? Nothing at all. And that's what I mean by, like, to these kids, like, be humble. Like, I know you think you're the next guy to get to the big leagues and make a difference and all that, and we all want that for you. But just know there's a bunch just like you there. How long did it take you to learn that and realize that? Because I, 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 I wish I thought back then the way I think now because I'm with you. but. And what you're giving is great advice. All these, everybody that's listening, this is amazing advice. But how long did it take you to realize that? After, after the fact. Probably like into my fifth year. Because, again, I signed when I was 17. So what's the excuse of me not playing double A? You're young. Right. So my first year, I was an extended. Second year, an extended again. So I'm still on track, technically, right? But then in my fourth year, when I go to low A, I'm, I'm 21 now. And now it's like, oh, you're, you're starting to get old. 
when did that happen? Right. 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 And all this holding me back because I was so young, so young, so young. Now it's, now you're old because you're 21, 22 years old and you're not in AAA knocking on the door to get into the big leagues. So I think at my fifth year, fourth year, fifth year, I realized like, hey, like, I'm just another guy. I've become a number. I went from prospect to like suspect. And then in 2003, you got rule fived, uh, triple yeah. A phase from yeah. San Diego to to the Mariners. Did you know that we were back to back picks? No, you didn't know that. No, we we're back to back picks. I know <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? I, no, I, I'll send you the screenshot. But me and you were just—I didn't know if you knew that fun fact. <laughs> but me and you in the rule five draft in 2003, we were back to back picks. You uh, right after you, I got rule five from uh, uh, Cleveland to Philly. Okay. Grand Wilkes Barre. And um, so that's that's I'm gonna send it to you. But me and you were back to back picks, just yeah, so that, you know, another connection that we have that. Uh, that that nobody knew about. So like, so okay, so let's let's talk real quick about the rule five. Like that was probably the most. I thought it was gonna be a significant thing, right? Like it was literally from my spring training in San Diego was 50 feet away from the Seattle Mariners complex. We shared complexes. <laughs> oh, so for you, it wasn't. So it was literally like I walked like, next door. And once I started reading, like, I was so excited. Oh, you got rule five, Omar. I don't know what that means, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have Google back then. Right. So, like, I think rule five, what, what does rule five mean technically? Another team pays for your contract, and you have to play the next season on the higher roster that you were put in. Right. Well, to protect you, they're supposed to put you in a AAA roster, right? Right. If you get put in that rule five, whatever, you're supposed to go 25-man 25 man roster. Right. Automatic. Correct. From AAA up. Well, I was apparently protected in the AA roster. So what does that mean? The Mariners paid ten grand to the Padres for my contract. I went next door, and I didn't get anything out of this deal. Well. So that's like the misconception, like, oh, my God, you got Rule 5 out there. Yeah, exactly. The, the good Rule 5 is when you're in AAA and you get Rule 5 to the big leagues right. because it's 50 grand for the contract and if you make the team. Right. And then if you don't make it, they can offer you back right. for half the price or something like that. The Rule 5 for me, it ended up working out great because, um, you know, when I was at Cleveland, you know, there was always somebody in front of me mm-hmm. and – and I had finally, when I got my opportunity in Kinston, North Carolina, in high A, I hit 280, 283 with three homers. But, you know, I, I, I did well. I started I played the second half. And then I, had to, I was ready to get out of Cleveland. You know what I mean? And uh, I got rule five. And then I was able to start in double in A. And it didn't last long in double A because I then got demoted to high A. Then I got released the following spring training. Right. But it did create for me a, a little push of motivation that I needed at that time, personally, for me, you know, I knew I was getting to the end. It was like, you're either mm-hmm. going to go or not. Remember, because I went, go. I played to FIU, you know, so I signed 21, about to be 22. So, you know, I'm going in there a couple years later. I'm already turn, cutting the corner at 24. Getting old. Getting old, <laughs> you <laughs> getting, know. Getting old. And for 24. me, you know, um, especially with Cleveland, like, you know, it was already like, you know, Michael Bourne was 19 in AA and I was 23. Right. Two twenty three. So it was it was a good refreshing thing for me. Man, I had a killer spring training, that spring training. But after the second time around in double A, it got a little thick for me. But but uh, you know, but yeah, that's cool. Just a little fun fact 
Back to back, man. Yeah, Me and you guys said you played, you know, at, at, at this level and played in, you know, in, in the minors, participated in spring training. Who was like one one pitcher that you remember facing that you were like, damn, that's the best guy I ever faced? So I don't have that story. I have the opposite. Like, I caught for Jamie Moyer. Oof. With awesome. the Mariners. That is awesome. For his career. And like, so Jamie Moyer could throw a baseball at your car, probably wouldn't dent it, probably wouldn't break glass. But he was so precise. And I'm talking about, like, I'm I'm a kid. I'm 22. He's already late in, in his 40s. And he's throwing me a bullpen. And he's like, hey, move outside. I'm set up down the middle, and I move outside. I line up, you know, to the corner. He goes, a little bit more. So I move out a little bit more. He goes, do me the favor. Move a baseball and a half outside. And you can tell he was upset <laughs> with me. And I, didn't, I don't know this guy. Like, he's Jamie Moore. I know Jamie Moore, but I'm just. A, he tells me, literally, move a baseball and a half off the plate. So I measure, I, you know, visually. What? I, I swear on all my kids. I could have been talking to the guy next to me. Just put my glove up. And my the ball was gonna hit my glove, and I was just gonna throw it back. I was just there. I could have closed my eyes. And he would have hit my glove every single time. It was that crazy. I mean, this is a guy who pitched effectively until he was in his what? And, and, and a guy who I think I think towards the end, I want to say he was seventy-eight to eighty. Yep, he could yeah. not break glass. You know what I mean? I'm not exaggerating. Listen, listen when I was in in uh, 2003 with with Cleveland High A, we're in the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and I. I I don't remember many things about the guys I faced in the minors, but I remember Ryan Digby, guy faced Myrtle Beach Pelicans high A ball. First time I saw 97 miles an hour. It was a two-seamer that ran at my hip and ran in. First time I'd ever seen anything right. like that because now you see it all the time. But right. 2003, you know, 20 years ago, you know, the starters I remember were 89-92. Maybe they threw hard 91-94, but we didn't have starters throwing 100 miles an hour right. when I was in the minors. So the first time I saw that 97, so that name always stuck with me, Ryan Digby. The second guy, and it was kind of a Jamie Moyer story, was in high A, we ended up playing the Tampa Yankees, and the Duca was there for a rehab start. Nice. And, bro, same thing. Like, just fastball in for the first pitch, just a weird rotation, something you're going to lay off, and then it different. hit. It's just completely different. Then he gets that big leg up and that big breaking ball. Not a hard breaking ball, but different. Right. You know what I mean? And and those arts, I think, are or we're losing. Are we losing those arts a little bit, Omar, with these pitchers? Because we're not seeing now it's it's power, power, yeah, every, power, everybody power, wants power, to throw power. Right. You and know, I think that's the problem is uh, everybody's falling in love with the radar gun, which. Look, in high school, I played with some guys, some guys like there's guys like Kiki Bengochea, like. Kiki, yeah. Like, Kiki was a guy. Yeah, man, he was a Kiki super was guy. Nasty. He, and he threw a legitimate ninety, ninety-one in senior year of high school. Chris Bell, who was his number, who was his number two at Columbus, same staff, eighty-eight to ninety-one. Those guys legitimately threw ninety-one. So for you to tell me that everybody in Dade County now their number one throws ninety, ninety-one, ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-five, ninety-six, yeah. you guys are lying, big time. You got to be lying to me. These got like stop. You're insulting the game a little bit, and. Like the worst part is when they think you don't know what you're talking about and they think they can just run that by you. Yes. That that's that's the worst part to me. You know what I mean? Right. And 
Guys are falling in love with the radar gun. Absolutely. And they're going to these showcases. Yeah. They're throwing the ball off the backstop, but they're throwing 92, 93 miles an well, hour. Well, we're going to touch on that later when we talk about the summer because I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about... Well, you got something going on now, right? You're back in the mix, man. Well, I'm in the mix because, like, baseball is getting ridiculously expensive. The older my kid gets, the more expensive it gets. Yep. So, Omar, you have... Omar. Omar's your oldest one, which is at Gulliver. Freshman. Freshman. Then I have Aiden that's thir- 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 turning 13 in February. Where's he playing at? What's he doing? With me. With you? Like with a, the, a, you, the team that you're coaching, back right? Club, yeah. Okay, back club. Uh, shout out to Back Club. We'll give them a little shout out to them. Alex Rico, right? Eric Rico. Eric Rico. There you go. Southwest guy. Southwest guy. Yep. Eagles. Um, and the little one Ebro. that played with us one time, yes. right? One tournament. I think it was, was it Kid Pitch? Coach Pitch? Kid, it's pitch. kid pitch. Yeah, right there in front of me. That was fun. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. So it, it, he, you know, it's the summer program. It's literally just, uh, if you want to touch up on it, it's just gotten so ridiculously expensive. And for what the product that these guys are getting, it's not like. You know, What's a summer program going for nowadays? Like fifteen hundred dollars? Give me a hundred. Like it's like casually like fifteen hundred dollars. Only, like only, only. Only. Me quinientos caña. Tell your dad that. If you tell your oh, oh yeah, Omar, Omar, hold on a second. Okay. If you I'm, tell Pedro Falcón, hold on. We're if you tell Pedro Falcón, your <laughs> oh, dad. I take off my jacket. Okay, I'm gonna take off my jacket. Hold on a second. If ten years ago you tell Pedro Falcón, your dad. Oh yeah, papi. <laughs> I wouldn't play. Any any we of our this, any right? of our dads back then. Oh no my way. god, times well, have like, changed. Okay, Mikey, let me ask you. Times have so changed. We're gonna talk about the summer program, and we're gonna kind of fast forward a little bit. Fine, the summer program, and I think everyone's bought into this hype. Everybody's just following everybody else. So, my message to parents. The summer. And I'm not going to stay in my box, right? So I've had my drink. Oh, no. I'm, I'm not nervous anymore. I'm loose. Right? <laughs> out, you said it 30 the, minutes get, in. Get out right? of the box. <laughs> so I'm going to get out of the box, and I'm going to be a little brutally honest. Parents, do some research. And what I mean by research, when you go to these summer tournaments, you some, and summer tournaments could be productive if you want them to be productive. It all depends on what you're trying to get out of it. If you're looking for exposure for scouts for this and that, you're not going to get it there. You're not. And this is what I mean by research. Parents, go to a summer tournament when you just paid $1,500. You go to the first tournament in Jupiter for Team 1 or Perfect Game or you, you name the tournament. It doesn't matter. And I want you to look in the stands. And I want you to find the scout that you paid to go have your kid look in, like, be watched by he's not there because mikey what happens in around june the college world series so you mean to tell me that the university of miami jd artiaga is worried about some kid that's a sophomore or junior in high school no he's worried about going to omaha exactly so parents stop thinking that there's going to be this scout that's going to fall in love with you and it doesn't happen now if you want it to be productive get your kid better play great quality baseball, then the summer's for you. But if you're trying to get exposed, it's not going to happen. And you're going to go back home after eight weeks of tournaments and say, what did we just spend $1,500 on? Because little Mikey didn't get an email from not even a school from Iowa. 
Little Mikey was hitting uh, in the backyard off of a concrete tee my dad made me into uh, a tee top taken off of the boat as BP. And that's what I was doing in the summer. I was on the pull-up bar. I was running. I was hitting my push-ups. Exactly. And that's what we were doing. I, I was hitting and that's from what my, we were doing. That's what we were doing. I was hitting from my front, my front yes, porch of my house absolutely. into the street. But, but that's <laughs> what we were doing. We were playing <laughs> wiffle ball. We were doing we were doing things, okay. but we were still at the park getting our stuff done. But Absolutely. it was different. You know what we were doing most importantly, Mikey? We were resting a lot. And you know what the, you know what scouts say about Miami guys? We don't touch high school guys. We won't touch a high school pitcher. They pitch all year. You are you are destined. You are set up to basically have Tommy John by your second or third year. Yep. Of oh, for sure. Omar, 100%. but the, the system that, that we followed, the three of us, because we're, you're 42? 42. 40. Omar, 40 you're on the fourth floor, baby. <laughs> 40 40 43. The system that we had was we played our fall ball, right? We trained, because I follow this same system with the academy. Mikey, you 100%. were play fall ball. Huh? It was illegal to play fall ball when we played. In Tamiami, we played fall. Yes, yes, right? yes. In Tamiami, we played fall. Yes. I'm just saying, growing up. You know, as these, as these guys. And as yes. kids. You got I, the I high school. At, uh, uh, in high school, we did the fall oh, training. The baby and blue pants. They had the training the back in the day. <laughs> but we did our fall. You know, we did our fall. And then we trained December. We enjoyed the holidays. Yeah. We enjoyed the new year. Yeah. Yep. Right? And then this week, we went back to work. And we got ready for our spring season. And then we played our spring season. The rainouts, we played it all. And then the summer, we trained our asses off. We relaxed. We went on vacation. You shut it down. We had fun. Um, we played in the street. We still trained. We trained hard. But the training was to get physically ready to do it again now in the fall. Okay? And I think that we're, we're missing that. 100%. We're missing that. And, and the thing is, like, as a parent, how do I tell my son that sees all his friends playing in tournaments and other? Bobby. You're fine. You want to work with me? You want to catch? You want to do a little catching? You want to work on your craft? We can do that. You want to hit? Nobody better than me throwing BP on the field. I find fields and we 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 hit. But everybody else is doing it. So how do I tell my kid? No, you can't play this summer because you need to rest. Your kids are how many um, games you playing in the summer? Realistically speaking, if your team is good, okay. Because if you're bad, you know you're three and out, four and out. Most of those fifteen hundred dollar teams. They're playing, literally, they're playing four tournaments, and they're playing four games in a tournament. So, 16 games. 16 games, but... Summer. Here, in the summer. Yeah, in the summer, but here's the catch. How many guys are on a roster? Probably 20 to 25. Yeah, so not everybody's playing every inning. How many at-bats are you getting there? 14 times 2. 28. Tops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that sucks. And that sucks. Do the math on 20, $1,500 divided by 30. Yeah, yeah. That's how much you paid for an at-bat. I, I would love if 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 we just got back to the old system. I, I've let's, been dying. Let's come in the summer. Let's pick the weeds. Let's drag the field. Let's do team things. Let's get this going. And then, and then Omar, if we need to play, setting up games shouldn't be an issue here with anybody in Miami. Like, it should not. be easy to set up games. You know what I mean? It's not. And I'll be honest with you, like, I get, like, there's, there's two sides to the coin, right? And nobody wants to fall behind. Right, but at what point is you being twenty games ahead of my kid more important than injury? Right. 
than Tom. longevity you, of what you're doing. Okay. First of all, I didn't even know what Tommy John was when I was in high school. <laughs> didn't learn about it until I, was in, I got into pro ball. Yeah, and I remember he was a, he was a pitcher with, with, the, with the Yankees when I was growing up. That's right. what so I knew about Tommy John. And, and then no. Little League shoulder elbow thing. When did this become a right. thing? Omar, I think also, and Amando, I think that when we were growing up, we were throwing a lot of different weighted and different size objects, which made us better. We played football. We threw wiffle balls as hard as we can. We threw rocks on the stop signs. <laughs> okay. We played basketball all played day, everything. our shoulders. Okay. And we rode bike. We played in the neighborhood. So, and when your mom had to call you, she opened the front door and screamed. Yeah. You know what I'm but saying? Like, let me ask you. Some of the hardest throwing guys are Dominican guys, right? How do they get those coconuts down? You know how they do it? They get a, a rock this big. They throw it as hard as they can. They hit a, they hit a coconut. It falls and they have coconut, coconut water. You know, and you, you're touching upon it, right? But I wanted to ask you, what's, you know, when, when we were growing up and you guys are talking about the different leagues and summer and fall and, and everything we used to do, but what do you see? And, and I'll, it'll be a two-part, right? Sure. How do you see the youth different now than back then? And how do you see the parents okay. different now than back then? So I don't know if Mikey told you to ask me that because I spoke oh. to Mikey about this. <laughs> so... One, kids, they don't have that hunger. They don't have that grit that we had. If you have that grit and that hunger that we had, you stand out and you're like, oh, my God, what is, who is that? But everybody else is just like, whatever. Very vanilla, right? But whose fault is that? I'll be the first one to tell you it's my fault. My kid has everything. Mikey, how many bats did you have growing up? The hand-me-downs from my older brother. My son has a brand new bat every six <laughs> months. Partially because of bat club, you know, a little bit, whatever. Eric Rico, great. But for my dad to say, I'm going to buy a $350 bat every six months. No. Negative. Brother. Impossible. For my dad to say that he was going to have a 308-2000 catcher's mint. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was probably going to get hand-me-down from, from somebody that we knew. That Omar, too much swag at a young age nowadays, man. And, and I see it a lot. And, and, and I see it. Um, I see. And, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, I went to FIU, FIU baseball. Armando, right? Right? You know each other from back then. And I'm always saying that about them with their social media and stuff, it's like, it's mucho swag, y mucho shiny helmets, y There's mucha no pinta, eh, mucho showing, you know, tu cosita and stuff, but there's no wins. Right, but there's no grip behind it. There's no desire. But like, you okay, know what I'm saying? So, so let's be real here. Like, do you remember Ricky Henderson when he first came out with those Mizuno <laughs> neon green batting gloves? I would have died for one of those. Yes. Oh, yeah. I would have died for a pair, right? You know how I was going to get those those bang gloves? I got to the big leagues. Dad, can I get those Mizuno bang gloves? Nope. Ah, see me who I put Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray right there. Right? Yeah. Now, little Mikey, and I say Mikey, like, just generally speaking, Mom, I want those bang gloves. No, I don't get one. You get four. You get four. How many kids have a pair of boat bang gloves? $100 pair of bang gloves. $100 pair of bang gloves. 90 bucks. 
Brother, my dad would have. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. No, it wouldn't work. I wouldn't play. Man, talking about this, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was playing at St. Michael, and I'm playing, playing right field that time. I used to play second base, but they they wanted to play me in, in right field. Actually, the 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 coach was uh, Kiki's dad, and Molesto, and he had me at right field hitting hitting first. And I forget, like my dad gets to to the field, and he goes like this, and shows me a, a new glove that he that he got me, and it was like those um, those Wilson gloves that came out, and they had like yes. a little yeah, dial. Yeah, the tie to tighten it up, nice gloves, dude. The... And it was and it was nice, and it was expensive, yeah. Yeah. and <clears throat> getting <clears throat> getting choked up actually. What was your dad's like, name? Armando. Yeah, Armando knows where yeah. Armando's listening, Bobby. So, Quinta and Quinta. Quinta's he, there, there too, with your, with your dad. Hey, tranquilo, the other so, buddies. So. Yeah, man, it's like the the sacrifice that they made. One hundred percent. You know, back then, like now, it's like it's taken for granted. Absolutely. Like I, I thought back, and and I was like, man, like my dad, like like you know, he he sacrificed to get me that glove because I wanted 100%, it, right. and I had that glove um, through high school. Then later on, when I started playing like softball and all that, I went to Midway Sports and got it relaced, so it could be. Brand new again, but I had that glove too. Too recently, que ya no podía más. Right, I had yeah. to get a new glove to throw yeah, with Anderson. Yeah, and now but, these kids. Get but yeah, four. now I mean, heck, my son is five. He got a brand new bat for yeah, <laughs> for Christmas. You know, like my nephew too for my brother. But it's like you know, I know we want to give our kids everything, everything. because now we we, we, do. we can. But then we think back and it's like, man, I like I like the way I grew up. You know, I, I, I like that. I love that. You know, so let me take you back to my day. Tammy, Amy, you know what catcher's mitt I got? Remember? I got the catcher's mitt that came in the little army match yeah, bag. Yeah, they used to give you five helmets. helmets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and every coach got one. That was awesome. And whatever was in there. Oh, my God. This was the days, your, man. Your, that was your stuff. And if your hey, catcher's mitt was terrible. It, those were draft days. Yes. Teams were drafted, man. Yes. That That's, that's the best system. That that's is. the best system, man. But, you know, like. If I wanted that bad, if I wanted a pudge mitt, no. go go play pro ball. Omar, um, before we get into the MLB stuff and all that stuff, uh, give me your take on the hitting situation that's that's going on right now because I, in the baseball program, kids ages 2 to 10, I stick to the basics, mm -hmm. feet straight, load, step, swing down through level, mm -hmm. hit the ball. Run hard, finish your <laughs> swing, as basic as it gets, yeah. right? Sure. And anytime I get a private lesson, mm -hmm. okay, um, I stick to the basics. Mm -hmm. I don't go beyond the basics because if you stick to the basics, I feel you're going to have great success, okay? But I see a lot of nonsense being taught out there, mm -hmm. okay? A lot of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I've had... Um, DM conversations with you about it. I've had voice conversation with you about it, text conversation with you about it. You've sent me things out of the blue saying, let me ask you a question. Yes. And I've sent you, and we've been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. Okay? What's up, bro? What's going on with the hitting, <laughs> right. dude? So this what's going on? Like, what's this nonsense? We're going to go right back to what I said a little while ago. Parents, you guys got to do your research. Know who you're hitting with, first of all. Oh, my God. And then I will tell you this. I've been hearing this. For almost 10 years now, if your coach played on the Cuban national team, if he coached on the Cuban national team, if he had some affiliation with the Cuban <laughs> national team, try to Google his name. Try to find him because if he, 
There's only so many guys that could. No, man, that roster right. had like 800 people, man. Like, it had like a segundo piso de La Habana. That's where they played. <laughs> oh, right? my God, it's true. And uh, so that's my first thing. Second, this goes to the kids. If you play at Grapeland, there's a very good chance you've seen me at some point. If you are being taught launch angle, I can tell you that I love pitching to guys that do that. As a catcher. The as knowing a coach as now. yeah, as a coach as and a coach, badass catcher. I'm telling you right now, I love facing you guys. Because I know you're not gonna hit a fastball middle in and I'm gonna put it up a little bit higher. I don't have to go eye level. Above the belly button, middle in, good luck hitting that. You're doing me a favor. You're doing my pitchers a favor. And don't think I'm going to throw your breaking ball to speed up your bat and, your, and find your barrel. So this launch angle thing, lastly, Aaron Judge is one guy. And he's so strong. Okay. He's a beast. So let's like, put this, not let's put this in perspective. Not everybody can I'm going I'm I'm to make this analogy, and it and actually worked out really well with this one kid, and it, it kind of clicked for him. Cooperstown. Every kid says, oh, I hit seven out. I hit three out. Right the field's so short, right? So short. That is Aaron Judge. When he shows up to Yankee Stadium, he <laughs> is in Cooperstown. He hits balls, and he's, he's missing them, and they still go out. But what happened when you get back to Miami? You're not in Cooperstown anymore. Right. So every fly ball isn't a home run anymore, exactly. right? So now every fly ball is what? It's an out. It's an out. It's so an you, out. So Any ball that's taught. in the air three seconds is an out. No. You're being taught <laughs> what Aaron Judge is being taught. And absolutely, if you are 6'6", six, six, 200 and whatever pounds, and you can hit balls out by mistake, go ahead, do it. How many of you guys can really do that, though? Look, when I was in when I was in 04, yeah, I, was in, I started the season double A after I got rule five. I got sent down the high A ball after the first couple of months. wasn't doing well. Mike Schmidt was my manager. He managed for one year. Okay? Billy guy. Legend. Billy guy. Legend, absolute legend. So <laughs> when I come down um, into from double A to high A, obviously you're a priority guy, you play, stuff like that. Calls you in the office, we talk. He's like, oh, Q, you call me Q, Q. I really wanted you out of the spring training, but you started there. Now you're here with me. I really, you know, we, he worked with me. We talked mm -hmm. a lot. Mike Schmidt had 548 career home runs. He's top 20, top 15 on the list, okay? Other than the fact he's a badass defender. The guy, 6'3", 6'4", Kawaii, still in gorilla shape. An excellent mustache. An excellent mustache. Coming with a new Chevy truck. He had to deal with them all the time. Nice guy. Manager, eh, but nice guy, okay? So, you know, we had kind of been egging him on. Like, we want to see you hit. Like, you're a freaking Mike Schmidt, dude. 548 acre runs. And what are we thinking? We're thinking this guy's going to step in that box. and He's just going to hit and put on a show. Put on a fucking show. Okay, like I was thinking, this guy's going to put on a fucking show. So it was the right day. We're out there. We're stretching, and he comes out in his tank cutoff. Diesel. <laughs> Diesel. Comes out, hey, guy, shooting the shit with us. I'm like, hey, Mike, like you got to take some BP. We got eight games left. Like, you got to take some BP. He's like, I, I need batting gloves that fit me. Boom. <laughs> Just puts them on. <laughs> he set you up. He goes, you guys think that I'm going to hit the ball out of the park. He goes, and I'm not. He goes, I'm going to hit line drives off the bottom of the wall, left center and right center. Rolled over the first one, hit the second one straight up, and then, oh, man, 
that fucking guy hit a line drive <laughs> to left center three feet from the bottom of the wall. And then he hit a line drive to right center that one bounce to the wall. He took two more swings. He goes, that's it. That's a lesson in itself. Right. Like, hit line drives, hit the ball in the gaps. Isn't that what we were taught? Hit the ball through the fence. Isn't that what it. we were taught? Yeah. Like, and all this stuff of reinventing, reinventing is is, is a mistake. And it's 100%. a big mistake. And I think the kids that stick to the basics are going to be in good shape. So here's my thing, too. And I've called out a lot of people on Instagram on this. People I don't even know. And they're they're reinventing a lot of things. And I think a lot of it has to do with you're just trying to stay relevant. And it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's brutally honest. But, like, these... You know, the, the logistics thing, right? These guys that have never played baseball in their life. And now they want to tell you, like, hey, if you do this launch and you're going to hit the ball here, okay, okay. But I can tell you that the art of baseball, the art of coaching, all of it's gone to the left for some reason. And I don't know why we started thinking that these guys were experts. And perfect example, look, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays don't win a World Series. Why? Because they pulled their lefty. 60 pitches, 67 pitches. In the like eighth that. inning, yeah. he's cruising, yeah, he's cruising to the yeah. Dodgers. Why do they lose? The analytics has just uh, has, has killed things. You know what it's I'm just, saying? It's a smart guy. And, and, yeah, and, and, with the, and, with, and when, you know, the launch angle stuff and everybody wanting to hit home runs. Man, you know, I've, I've been watching baseball since uh, I can remember. First, you know, first things I can remember watching on TV were baseball and boxing. You know, Cuban dad, you watch baseball and boxing. That's what you did. But, you know, back then, we had, you know, we're mentioning the A's. Carney Lansford did not hit for power, but he was a good hitter. Mm-hmm. Then you, you talk about Tony Gwynn, John Olerud, George Brett. You know, you talk about guys that hit not 300, they hit 340, 350, mm-hmm. Don Mattingly, Wade Boggs. And now, like, I go to a Marlins game, I, my... My mom's cousin comes from Cuba 100%. a few months ago. And we go to the, to the game. Take him. And his name is, I mean, Armandito, like me. So he's like, and he tells me, they call me Mandy. Oye, Mandy, una pregunta. Esos son los averajes. 240. Esos son los averajes. Porque el mejor jugador está batiendo 250. Y el otro 220. Y el otro dos. It's embarrassing. Perfect example. Joey Gallo in the 80s and 90s would have been in the minors. No, like, hey, you're absolutely. hitting 190, Pablo. See you. I'm, I'm sorry. Now I don't care. 17 million. You know, eating croquetas yeah. every every single at bat. What, what the hell is that? I mean, I grew up in this era of baseball that I thought was beautiful. And to me now, I, I watch these games and I'm like, what the hell am I look watching? At, look at just the way the lineups are. Dude, let, let's go to a Aaron traditional Judge lineup. leading off. Let's go to a traditional lineup. Your leadoff hitter has good at bats. Sees a lot of pitches, gets on base, can create some havoc on the bases. Second batter, guy who might want to sacrifice, maybe yeah, be a good right. hit and run guy, maybe be, you know, fake bunt. Yeah, yeah, little. Little. Third batter, <laughs> your caballo. Right. Fourth Fort batter, your up. guy with clean the most up. power. Right, right. Fifth batter, your second guy with the most. And then six, seven, eight, nine, you figure it out. Right. right? Worst guy's always hitting last. Like, now it's like, it's at bats, at bats, at bats, at bats, at bats. So we move judge to two we move judge to one and we you take out the 
the traditionality of what a lineup's supposed to be. So, you know, again, I'm going to get out of the box here, right? So, I'm going to, okay, I'm just going to say it, right? So, the first batter should be the guy gets on, whatever. Should the second, be. Second guy bunts him over, hit and run. Third guy gets a base hit, hits a deep fly ball. Europe 1-0, right? That's how we played the game. Right. Right? Now, Mikey, you write lineups, right? All day. Right. <laughs> In the bottom of the sixth inning, when you're down 5-4, to four, who do you want up? Your leadoff guy that is going to get on? With one out because your last better just struck out, or do you want your best guy that can maybe hit it out? Out. Want your best guy up. So therefore, you want your best guy up. So therefore, right. You're yeah, kind of you contradicting what you just said. But but when you're going into the bottom of the six mm-hmm. and you need one, man, it mm-hmm. feels good to start off with your leadoff guy. Right. But what if you, you have, know? But but okay. So here's the thing, and I talk to my kids all about. I talk to my kids about this all the time because my kids are. They're students of the game, and I've kind of taught them to be students of the game, not just be like, oh, yeah, I play baseball. You want Aaron Judge to get four bats. You don't want him to be on deck with a tiny run at second base and two outs. You want him to be up. But he's one guy, though. I understand. He's, he's one guy. I understand. He's the only guy that can, that can do that. And, and, right, I get know, that. He's the only guy that can and, play and that. And you know but how then, many Cinderella moments you've had through, like, Kirk Gibson, like, hobbling around the field? I mean, I... No, I totally understand. I want Aaron Judge to. I'm a Yankee fan. I want him to. Hit Would you rather have all, Aaron all the Judge time. Hit three times or four times? No, I want him to hit it 18 times. No, I want him to hit as many as possible. Bryce Harper is third. Well, Aaron you know, Judge technically should more, hit third. You know, he should. He should hit third. But he you should. know, old school Cardinals always hit their best guy first. Old school, like the you know the Cardinal rules and all that. Listen, I, I bit I bit the sauce because uh, I believed in it so much that on our 10U team. The kid we hit hitting third, Abraham, I moved up to second. Yeah. And I moved everybody up one, and it worked out great. It does. So it, it does work, you know what I mean? But sometimes it's too much. I mean, I get that, too, because, because nobody knows, has You can role. do that with Aaron Judge, but when these other teams try to do it, no. It, it, it doesn't. No, and, it and look, doesn't and Aaron work. Judge is a guy that you know? that's hitting, or, or at least this year also, you know, he hit over 300. You know, he was in the running for the Triple Crown. It's not like, you know, a guy that's hitting also, like Joey Gallo. Also, with you know? respect to the Yankees, they don't have a real good leadoff hitter. If they had a Trey Turner leading off, I'd want it Judge hitting yes. two or Oh, yeah, three. that's different. Right, like, you know what I'm they, saying? Yeah, so they end kind up of, getting, like, right. Brian Reynolds in a trade or something. Brian yeah. Reynolds may be right. able to hit leadoff, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, but man, I want him up. But man, I want him up when I need right, him. But you know, <laughs> you know what you have. Of course, if you have a trade turn, yeah, hit him first because he won a hitting. hitting hit it. Guy's so good, man. He wasn't hitting, but I think I he was the prize of the. I think ta- he was ta- the prize talking of the about like where in the lineup, where in the lineup do you hit Carlos Correa and for what team? <laughs> for what team? Something's up there. Something's huh? up, man. Like you know, so back back with the Twins, I guess they. They agree to it, right? I mean, he has Scott Boris, who's a, a, a bulldog yep. uh, as his agent, uh, negotiating for him. And he got 13 or was getting 13 out of out of the Mets after the Giants <laughs> one fell through. And obviously something's coming up on that physical that teams are saying like, hell no. Twins already knew him. So twins mm-hmm. are going to, he's going to be a twin. Mm-hmm. They signed him six years, shorter contract. Million, he played year. last year. They're going to, hey, we're good. 
But man, what what a journey from the start of free agency to now for Carlos Correa. We we've talked about him. I feel for what we're episode fourteen. I feel we've talked about him since episode four. Like what where's he going? You know what's up with that whole situation? So I just feel like he wants ten years, twelve years, thirteen years, but I think he knows deep down he doesn't have thirteen right. years in the tank. Right. But I want to take care of my family when I'm done. And I'm thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about the team. I'm not thinking about, I'm thinking about my, my family. I'm thinking about myself. And wouldn't everybody want to be Bobby Bonilla? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. So I feel like, you know, I don't I don't blame him for it. But, I I mean, I get what's going on. Like, look, there's something in his body that's not responding correctly. Right. They're yeah, probably stretching him out. Yeah. And he's like, hey, 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 chill, yeah, chill, yeah, chill. Yeah, there's something there. And there's a red flag. And I think that the twins are like, hey, I know what we're going to get. We don't need, look, pending the physical. Wait, don't even do the physical. We know what we're going to get. We're yeah. going to get this guy, whatever, and let's just take him. And I think everybody else is like, you want 10 years out of this guy? Trainers are like, let's go talk in, some, in four walls. Is, walk in a room. Is it a little bit of a red flag that um, he's a contender, didn't just come out and, 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 and sweep him up? Because what's the difference with the Mets not giving him six years, six years. two hundred? Like what's what 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 like, you know? It's a lot to that situation. I don't get. Yeah, so, something something you know is up I mean? there. I There's mean, there's a lot there. I don't get. To me, the funniest you know? part. He still got a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, like gonna wins and you know, but the funniest part was the Mets. You know, who have been trying to make a splash off free agency, and they have. I mean, they they have three great arms. I mean, even though they're a couple, you know, a couple of old arms, but arms that are still. Working quite well. They re-sign Mr. Timmy Trumpet. Edwin Diaz comes back. And they try to make the big splash and, and sweep up Correa. But Correa had already failed the physical in the Giants. And Steve Cohen was like, ah, you know, 13 years. We've talked about this before. They should have kept it quiet. Because now, like, the Mets, you know, they come out, sign they're, the they're 13. Like, what were keep, they doing? They're supposed to keep it quiet. Cohen shouldn't have come yeah. out and did what he did. Because Cohen came out but right. I, and said I have like, a feeling, and, and this is just my take that Scott Boris no idiot. No. no. I've met him. He's, I've met him. The goat. Bro, I remember the first time I saw <laughs> I him. I go there with that. I stared at him for like five minutes because he was a G. Okay? Mm-hmm. Super Gucci. Um, he, We were in California, and he was there to see Almoda. Almoda. Mm-hmm. USA. And um, um, how, how, at the end, for me, I think there's a hunch that Correa wanted to play shortstop, okay? Um, I get it. Third base, New York. I get it. A-Rod did it. And I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But third base is not shortstop, Mm-mm. okay? Big league third baseman is not a big league shortstop. A little league third baseman is not a little league shortstop. Mm-mm. You're the shortstop, <laughs> you know? And I think that maybe Cohen, when he backed out of it, when they started renegotiating, because they were renegotiating, like, what? What was not working there? And I, I think that the stall maybe had something to do with playing third. Maybe. Does, does, don't the Giants have a shortstop? They, had, they were moving Crawford over the third if he yeah. would have went there. But Crawford's kind of at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? But I with Lindor, the Mets, obviously Lindor's no. Gucci. No. Did, did your did your dads ever ever say, um, oh, no, I said, I'm going to go to shortstop. Oh, yeah, I remember with Robin Yount. <laughs> 
I remember my dad, oh, no, we're going to have a shortstop. They put down to the outfield. Oh, no, Kyle Ripken, we're going to have a shortstop. I think it has something to do with that, man. Really? You I, know, the shortstop is special. They're special. You guys are special, man. They're prima donnas. Like, their contracts say, like, if I play 150 games, I have to get a bonus. Boy, I would have begged to play 162 games in the big leagues. I would have caught all of them. I don't have a problem. I don't care. The right. big leagues? Yeah. I don't care. Oh, if I play 130 games, I'm going to get this. <laughs> yeah, I, have yeah, to yeah. A, I have to get a bonus. I have to yeah, yeah. Say, like, Papo, you need to play. Yeah. That's it. Just play. Just play. Yeah. And then one guy that hasn't played in a long time is Trevor Bauer. He was suspended 194 I games. Love the transition there. <laughs> 194 games. Long suspension. He was suspended 300 300 something games. They cut it in half the other day. 194 games. And, you know, there was allegations of sexual assault, you know, mm. not to be taken lightly by any means. No, you know, the suspension. He served his time. He did what he did. You know, like, like others. Um, What's a guy? Uh, Ozuna. Marcelo Ozuna. Ozuna, the football uh, player. D Domingo Herman. Another another guy? Pubolita, uh, they're still playing. Just got a big deal now. What's his name? Uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun like, Watson, like you know, uh, Greg Hardy back in the day. You know, but so Trevor Bauer, you know, sticky situation. Uh, Dodgers cut him loose. They say, look, we want no part of this. He served his time. We're paying him. They owe him $22 million. $22 mil. Okay. And I think a team can now sign him for the league minimum. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, Bauer, last he pitched, Mike, 2021, 8 and 5, 259 ERA. Struck out 137. The guy is an amazing pitcher. Cy Young mm -hmm. two years ago? Yep. What what team do you envision going out and getting Trevor Bauer because he's there? Or do you think in, you know, times have changed, you know? And and I I think there, there are going to be some teams that are going to not sign him because of what he allegedly did. Um, but what? what team may go out and and take a chance on, on Trevor Bauer? <sighs> Listen, this this for me is um, I haven't read the report or stuff like that. I don't think they made it public, but there have been things that have been leaked out about it. Um, I think someone needs to sign this guy. Okay, I think that um, allegations are allegations. I think that he got involved with a certain female. I think they liked things a certain way, and I think a couple times it went too far. But the interesting thing about the case for me was that it was during a specific certain time in the country. It was a lot of the Me Too stuff going on and all that stuff. But the incident that he got in trouble for was not their last encounter. So they had the incident. They kept seeing each other. And then that's what I'm saying. Like something must have happened where she was like, "Well, you know what? Well, then, you know, fuck you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick it to you." So, um, kind of like the Mike Tyson thing, mm -hmm. girl. You know, late night, but whatever. Anyways, moving on from that. Whatever you believe, you believe. This guy's a G. This guy's a this guy's Great badass pitcher. pitcher. He's a Cy Young winner, and this guy's been staying in shape. He has his videos on YouTube. Bauer outage. He has his Instagram going now. He's teaching kids how to correctly grip. The guy's doing a lot of good things, a lot of positive things. And where are the second chances here, man? Where are the second chances Ozuna, here? Ozuna did Because this guy, and I'm going to tell you what, Florida Marlins, you know, this will be a draw for you. And, and not just that, you're an automatic contender with Alcantara and Bauer back-to-back. -back with the offense that we have. And we can go out and get some offense. We can. We can. But you're an automatic contender with this guy. Could you imagine that like, stuff? Like we cannot, we cannot 
not see this guy pitch again for the rest of his life. No, like, no. Like, no. That, that can't a, happen. That would be a disservice to us. That someone that good doesn't play in the big leagues and we can't see it. In my opinion, my honest opinion, the Dodgers win the World Series if he plays last year. Oh, 150%. Because <laughs> no, he comes close. in to start. You know he's going to probably win that game. Yeah. And then he's crazy enough to say, hey, I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. on two days rest. Yeah. Let me close. Yeah. Let me close. I don't care. He's that type of guy. I mean, he literally threw a ball off the bullpen. I mean, off the mound to the center field wall. And how and how much <laughs> and how much pulled. how much is this? You know, him not being liked because he's not a well liked guy. Okay, so I was gonna say that too. Yes, he's very outspoken. The whole thing with the the sticky ball situation. He was on Instagram putting the ball in his hand, and like literally, like <laughs> had his hand flat, and the ball was staying there. I get it. He's outspoken, but honestly, in the last year and a half, two years. With this whole COVID thing and the baseball's getting mixed up. And, and I know this for a fact because someone that I know very close to baseball has told me, like, hey, it's, we... You saw that guy who did his own independent study? Yes. And cut those balls open? Yes. Using completely different balls in different stadiums well, yes. for different teams. So, okay, so logically, and it's going to make sense now that I explain it a little bit. In COVID... Balls weren't being, like, foul balls weren't being given to fans. So we had a surplus of baseballs. So what do you do with those surplus of baseballs? Use them the year, the next year. Absolutely. But you already ordered, two, you know, baseball for the, f- the next year. So now you have to mix those balls. And now 2021, 20, or 2020, 2021, and 2022 baseballs are all going to get mixed up together. And that's what happened. And that, yeah, like base, like pitchers get a baseball and say this ball is not the same as this ball. It's true. It, they're not. And but they should be all the same. They should be, Mikey. But I I get it as a business like standpoint. Like right. we spent. So you're so saying much that during the baseballs. COVID, the balls were jumping out of the parks more probably. I, I don't know what they were doing because I don't think they're jumping out of the ballpark. I just think. From one year to the next, you're using baseballs that are a year older, humidity, a lot of things, okay, a lot of factors, and it just is what it is. Like I think I don't think this will get cleaned up until 2025, 2026. But supposedly somebody was doing a research and said like all the balls in Yankee Stadium were a little juiced. Were a little different than the ones yeah Weird. I heard that I saw Weird. that too. Yeah. So, ba- listen, baseball, baseball it keeps it interesting. Well, like you know what like, I mean. Well, like it's it's a dying not a dying sport, but people don't want to go watch a boring baseball game. Yeah, ball one, ball two, strike one. It's chess. Yeah. I'd rather watch checkers. That yeah. I'd rather watch football. I'd rather watch <laughs> basketball. Right? right, right. This is chess, where it's like, and, and and every year they try to reinvent, reinvent. Like, oh, you only have ten seconds between hitters. Like, okay, fine. We're trying to speed up the game. Yeah. yeah. Now the bases are going to be bigger. No more trigger. shift. Right. Be interesting. So, yeah. You know. And and you know talk we we're talking about the Marlins and if they add Trevor Bauer today they added Johnny Cueto right. who's been pitching for for a bit I mean that guy was a dog when he was with the Reds so good he's got the shimmy still is he going to bring the so shimmy good. to Miami I, I I I hope so I'm sure I, I hope so and uh, there's a there's a guy that listens to to our podcast uh, he's a he's a friend he's um, my my best friend's brother in law and he's a huge Marlins fan I mean this guy does not miss one game so I asked him. I, I go, hey, you know, his name is Dennis Baquero. Like, Dennis, we're going to be talking about this tonight. I want you to tell me your opinion on Cueto and what the what the Marlins have been doing. 
So he told me the Cueto move is fantastic if they obviously follow through and trade a starting pitcher for a good bat. In a way, the Cueto move is not the usual Marlins move because it shows them thinking ahead to a potential trade. Usually the Marlins would have waited on Cueto, then maybe trade a starting pitcher, then reach out to Cueto and suddenly he's elsewhere and it's like, oh, well, at least we tried. Signing him feels that they're a step ahead and I like that. If they could trade a starting pitcher for a bat, add at least one solid guy at the back of the bullpen, and then maybe another bat, I think they're going to be worth watching. If they can't add anybody else other than Cueto and Segura, then, you know, it's just another point of just not doing enough. And I agree with that, you know, because Cueto to me is a guy, I absolutely agree with him. You sign him because you're going to trade Pablo or Rogers or Edward Cabrera. If you don't trade any of those guys we we're talking about last week, they want Tristan Casas from, you know, the kid played at American Heritage, Pembroke Pines. Could step in and play first base right Tony, away. Tony's kid, right? That's Tony Casas' kid or no? Mm-mm. No? No? no. <laughs> so Tony, I mean Tony, uh, <laughs> Tristan, not Tony Casas, but Tristan could end up with, with the Marlins. But the Marlins are going to have to trade, give Boston a nice arm because Boston has Chris Sale, who's old. They lose Iovaldi. And now, who did they sign? Well, they, Corey Kluber. And they added a uh, second baseman at the uh, Beard uh, Bigote from Dodgers. Well, uh, Turner. 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 So, but, but Turner, I mean, yeah. you know, he doesn't move the needle too much, but they're going to need a good starting pitcher. So, yeah, to me, right, it would be a disappointment if, a disappointment if the Marlins do not trade one of those guys for a bat. Oh, they need a bat. Okay, Armando, the Marlins make all those moves. It's still not enough. No, it's... We're not it's, even close. Not enough. We're not even close. But, but it's better... <laughs> I get it. It's better than last year, I get year, it. Man. No, I get it. Last but, season was but brutal. man, we're not even brutal. close. Okay. We need Bauer. I, I talk about this <laughs> all the time, and I'm going to get out of my box again. Mikey, what have you done to help the Marlins get... I can tell you, I haven't, done, I haven't done anything. I haven't gone to a game in three years. I'm a season, oh, season, I'm a ticket, season okay. ticket holder. You've done your part. I, I have a, you are part of the 1%. I have a 20 <laughs> package. But, let, but let, let, let me tell you're you my 1%. But let me tell you what I like. I love going there. But you're 1%. I know. I, know. I love going there. It's empty. Okay. I get my food. I get my seats. I go with you guys. We go. I have great seats. We're going to do the research again. Yankee <sighs> Stadium. I've been to Yankee Stadium. Oh, awesome. Bucket list. Love it. When? Packed house when you went? No, not a packed house. I can tell you, Yankees and Mets, Subway Series, packed house. When's the last time the Yankees, I mean, the Marlins packed the house? I can tell you. I mean, I went to go see him against. I went to go see him. Yes. I got all 15 games tickets. I went to go see him against the Royals, so it (laughs) it wasn't a packed house. But, yeah, absolutely. But, look, the thing is, and it's proven in any sport, Miami, is a town that goes out and supports you when you win. The Miami Hurricanes, who I love, at the end, you couldn't give away tickets. Nope. They were selling tickets for five bucks, two bucks, or giving them away. I had, my phone was blowing up, 80, you want Kane's tickets, and I was like, I can't. You know, we're we're playing, you know. We have T-ball practice. We have T-ball today. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing. And and look, when I remember when, when, um, when I used to work in, in media, Sometimes when I wasn't covering it, the Miami Heat, you know, would, would compass some tickets. And I remember going when, you know, after Shaq left, there were some years with Dwayne Wade there that mm-hmm. we weren't very good, you know, until LeBron got here. And I would go and I would walk from my seat, walk down and sit behind the basket. And I'm looking around and I'm like, there's nobody here against good teams. Right. 
So, you know, if the Marlins aren't going to put a winning product, that's that's what we're going to get. We're not going to get okay. a packed house. I'm going to challenge that as well. Last time they had a winning team, Beckett and all those guys, and I'm not going to try to remember them because it's impossible. I don't think we had a packed house then. No, we, so got, we got we got packed in the playoffs. Until the playoffs. Until the playoffs. What oh, a but ride not, not sold out, but but more what more a run. That was awesome. More, more people will go. Way more people will go than yeah. now. Now yeah. I go to the stadium and it's just it's that, empty. It's a just, dump. I just don't oh, know. So bad. The, the baseball I, angles were so bad in the yeah, the you, football stadium. You but, you, but you know what? Stadium. But I but I kind of miss it. I don't know. Like I I I saw so many great games there. Yeah. You know the. The playoffs and and, yeah. and all that and and I, I remember seeing you know I'll, I'll never forget Chris the teal Hammond seats like all the teal seats yeah. <laughs> whoa Chris Hammond the pitcher <laughs> hitting a grand slam against the Houston Astros one day I mean like you know some awesome stuff happened at that stadium and and nothing's happened I mean let me not say nothing because yeah we had you know Jose came and pitched in that stadium and he electrified the crowd the late Jose Fernandez and there's been electrifying moments but there hasn't been. Too many of those moments, like in the old stadium, right. man. The old stadium. I went to go see McGuire hit fifty-eight and fifty-nine at that stadium, and it was it was fantastic. It was so cool. And in the stadium, you know, I just I just don't know if the Marlins trust us, us as fans enough to go out and say, "Hey, we're gonna go get another World Ser- another World Series team. We're gonna go win 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 one for you guys. Are you guys gonna show up?" I don't think we do, because I'll be honest. You look me. I can't go Monday through Sunday. If it's not a freshman game, it's a grappling game. If it's not a grappling game, it's a practice. If it's not a practice, it's something. It's batting practice, right? I can't go to. I can go to market. Can you? You got to work. I out of the twenty games that I buy per year, I would say I do about fourteen. And that's being flexible yeah. that I have the little more, you that's know, more, more, than and, and more than me. What do you, you know, a couple games, two, three games. See, mm-hmm. I guarantee if you go up to a random person in New York, Boston and ask them, Hey, how many games, how many Yankee games do you go to every year? How many Mets games do you go to? Every no, year? And, and you see, you see them. I mean, when I, when I'm on the, when I'm on the subway heading up to the Bronx, you see guys that just left work with their ties. They loosen it yeah, up a and bit. Air and Force they're, ones and and they're right. heading They're yeah. heading to the park. They're heading to the park. You don't see that here. You don't see that. Because it's, it, I get it. It's far. Whatever you want to, whatever excuse you want to make. You know, first, you know, Robbie, Joe Robbie Stadium, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's, it's, had, it's had 15 names. It's far. And it was a football stadium and it was hot. All you want. Fine. They put AC. It's a dome. It's here centralized. It's nice. You have a pan con lechon. You have pincho. I love it. Three (laughs) dollar menu. You have the three dollar Miami menu, where yeah, you can like look. I I can tell you, I went to the the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. What? What? A twelve dollar hot dogs. Yeah. Without exaggerating. Yeah. That's a bad stadium. (laughs) The Tampa Bay Stadium. It's terrible. Man, that's bad. So, like, what do the Marlins need to do? And I'm not promoting the Marlins for just, you know, I'm not marketing for the Marlins. I'm, I'm not getting paid for the Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> but what do, we, what do they need to do to get people to go? What is it? I mean, I think it's, it starts with winning. <laughs> I, I think first you start pulling up the wins and start drawing the crowds. Give out some more bobbleheads. And, yeah, and let me tell you, Alcantara doesn't draw like Jose Fernandez used to. Alcantara is no. beginning now to get guys back, you know. Um, oh, man. 
I, so I, you know what, like, we're so behind. And I'm not even like this. I always say I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but like honestly, look, John Jay, we shouldn't have signed John Jay to coach. We should have signed John Jay. You should have played. Two, yeah, the last two three years that he's been wanting to to play, bring him in. Bring him in. I'll go watch John. Uh, yeah, we were, absolutely yes. Omar, we were talking about JD Martinez. He's a local guy. Go get him. Omar, why not try to sign him? Listen, when we we talked about this in one of the episodes. We started looking at these deals that um, that the Bell guy got two years, right. thirty three million. Bellinger. Uh, Bellinger Justin got Turner. a one deal. That's Justin Turner. Turner. For $40 million, $40, $50 million, we could have went out and gotten those guys the one or the two years deals that the other people gave them, and then we give it to them. Because we could have put together, it's a roll of the dice. But you know yes, what? I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, bringing Bell into play first, bringing Justin Turner in. I wouldn't mind mixing something up there, trying to make no, something happen. No, it would be great. J.D. Martinez. Great names. You know, there's a lot of guys that we could have done stuff with, and, right. and we just don't. And I agree. You know? Pero también, like, I feel like right, it's, you're insulting the value of money. Big time. When you give Bellinger. Oh, my God, bro. I thought you he was. give Joy Gallo. I thought Bellinger was going to have to play Gallo. for $6 million. I thought, I thought Bellinger was going to have to play for 5 or $6 million and prove yourself they got seventeen million dollars. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought he was gonna get signed to like a Marley contract and be oh like, "Hey, God. go figure your swing on a Triple oh A, and then come back, and hopefully we can figure something out." Wait, I would have demoted. Gallo? I would have oh demoted God, Joey dude. Gallo. Wait, I, I wrote down a question here in my paper earlier when you were talking about how you used to watch the A's growing up, mm-hmm. right? And the other day, um, Jose Canseco. I don't know if you. I think you sent me the video that he was hitting balls in a cage, and he told, "Hey, Aaron Judge, I can hit a." And then the other day, coincidentally, yesterday, I put on the TV late at night, and there's the 80-something World Series where Jose Canseco comes up, bases loaded. And I take a look at Jose Canseco when he was, you know, he was 24 years old, you know. How good was that guy, bro? Very. And with the, Jesus with the, when Christ. When he was running the head, the He was head. so good. <laughs> he was the first 40-40 guy. That guy was so good, man. God, man. on YouTube. That he hits a ball. I don't know what stadium it was. I don't know what city it was. This was before juice balls. This was before maple and all those compressed bats and all that technology. You know, and he hit a ball into the upper, upper deck. The double, yeah, that was double like deck. That, that was against Toronto at the Sky Dome. Yes, yes. Now that you say five hundred something feet. Hey, it's not the same. Not the same. You do that now, and it's like, yeah, it's yeah. oh wow, yeah. But I know. That balls are juice, maple's harder, it's compressed a little bit better. Oh, yeah, these guys were using ash. And you know ash falls apart, it breaks like it's like whatever. There's these guys boy, Jose was doing things that that guys now would be like, hey, that's bad. I, and I as I've gotten older, I look at different things. Like with him, his hand speed and that Still. bat that bat yep. got gets through that zone so fast <laughs> and his discipline and he was a he was disciplined but he was so aggressive because he didn't it was, have it was such a beautiful mix right. and he ran like a deer 40 50 bags mm. he not the best outfielder took a ball off the head not the best <laughs> outfielder not the best uh decision maker off the field i get all that old chick. big mouth the hooters chick the whole thing with echando all these guys palante with the drugs i right. get it but 
Man, Jose what, Canseco what was good. Yeah. And, and he didn't have, like, to your point, you know, about the fast hands and everything, he didn't have that Ken Griffey Jr. beautiful swing, not even Palmero. Mm, no. It was he just, was just, it was like, it, it was just like, bah. You know what's funny? I actually saw that video today or yesterday, and I was breaking his swing down. There's nothing that he does that I can teach a kid. Nothing. Nope. His hands start here. They wiggle around. His foot like has like this tiny mechanism, and then he just swings. Omar, that's yeah. why at the end of the day, no matter where your feet are, uh, obviously we want to teach consistency. No matter where your feet are, your hands are, a million, a million, two million different things can happen when that ball's on the way to you. But if you hit it in the right spot, yeah, you're in good shape. No matter where your hands start, no matter where they're going to go from, no matter where you're going to look, if at that moment of impact, no matter how good or bad your path was there, when you hit the right part of the ball, you're in good shape. So I'm gonna, and we're, we're losing that a little bit. Well, I'm glad you, you spoke on that. And I'm going to – you still give hitting lessons, right? Sporadically. Okay. I'm going to ask you a simple question. And I'll ask you too. True or false? Do you think 90% of the game is from the shoulders up? Oh, yeah. So you think baseball is... I mean, no, I mean... Hitting is from the shoulders up. Oh, 90%? I mean, I mean yeah, you got you to gotta use your brain a lot and to understand your feel. And but you've heard the phrase. Cor- I've heard the phrase, 100%. Have you heard it? I've heard yep, the phrase, 100%. The phrase. So I'm going to ask you another question, Mikey. And be honest with me. When you walk into a cage... Hey, here's Omar. Go hit with him. How many times have you thought about hitting with him after a lesson, before a lesson, whatever, and you've spoken about the mental part of the, of hitting? Do you do it? Not much. So why is it that we only teach the 10% of the game? It's physical, 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 right? And then you know what happens when you end the game? Where are my hands? Yeah, everything starts. Yeah, yeah. So I challenge yep. you and everybody that gives a hitting lesson, and I've done this, and it's, and I'm not saying this because I know more than anybody else, because you can talk approach just like anybody else can, Mikey. Of course. Finish your hitting lessons with as game like as possible, and like the last 10, 15 swings go at bats. Oh, absolutely. What are you looking for? Oh, 100%. And then tell yes. them. And then here's here's the kicker, Mikey. Watch this. What were you thinking about? When you were hitting those balls, what were you thinking about? No, just hitting the baseball. That's what you need to do when you step into the box. Great quote by Derek Jeter. The last thing you think of is the first thing you do. Think about that. One of the biggest things that I've, that I've noticed is the coach pitch. You know, when we do those privates – they're the kids don't know what they're doing, yeah. so we saw mechanical. We just teach them the yeah, feet. of course. But when they get to kid pitch, man, different that's gonna make all it makes all the difference different in the world. Game. You know, when we do the open BPs. Like it's taken about a year for my tenure team to understand the hit and run. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's taken a while. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think once they get to the kid pitch, you have to break it down for them yes. like that, Omar. You know, the last 10 minutes of an hour to. lesson, you have just, to. hey, let's do our bats and throw balls on purpose. Hey, were you looking at for that pitch? No. So why are you swinging at it? Okay, yeah, you're right. All right. Now, ball one. I I threw a ball on purpose. Ball one. What are you looking for? That's one in the middle. 
Well, here it comes. At what age did you not have to be so mechanical when you were getting in the box? Like, yeah, I was never mechanical because hitting lessons didn't exist when I was a kid. But when you got in there, for example, like, for example, I, I remember clearly, like, once I got to, like, high A, I was able to get in the box and have all of my brain and all of my focus being on the competition with the pitcher and what's going to happen. I didn't have to think hands. I didn't have to think load. I didn't have to think, like, that's how long it took for me. You know what I mean? Like, so, so long. So that was, I think, the number one reason why I didn't hit in pro ball. Because I had un complejo that my swing wasn't inside the baseball. Because no one taught me that. Because Fred didn't want to change me. Like, why would you change a guy that got here hitting and it's going to leave here hitting? So what happens? I get to the party's organization and Dave Magadan. Dave Magadan. Marlins. Marlins, Marlins third guy, baseman. Tries to like, hey. 1993. Take your hand. World Series? Inaugural no. team. Inaugural team. And he played for the Mariners too. Yep. Dave Magadan is the cousin of Lupinella. Wow. Well, Dave Magadan starts with, hey, you know you cast your arms out and you, you're around the baseball a lot. Yeah, started. Boom, boom, boom. And then <laughs> I'm in the batter's box. I'm like, stay inside the ball. Stay inside the ball. So now looking back at those at-bats that I've, I missed fastballs right down the middle because I was worried about staying inside the baseball instead of just being like, hey, you threw me a you, fastball. I'm going to crush it. So now, I'm gonna, and I, this is a good, so true. And this is a little advice to the kids that listen. You are going to learn so much more from failing. You go four for four and you think about, oh, I hit four home runs, but you didn't learn anything. You just did it. When you go 0 for four or four strikeouts and you're on the right home and your dad's like, hey, what are you doing? And you're going over those at-bats, you are learning so much about yourself, about pitchers, about pitch sequences. Because you're like, how did I strike out against this guy? Like, what, what, what was I doing? What? And you're going to learn so much from failure. And now I have the gift of being able to give it to my kids. And be like, hey, Bobby, you cannot be in the batter's box worried about where your hands are, staying inside. No, that's not a, an offensive mindset. That's defensive. You need to be. When your little one played with us in the tournament, you were the chillest guy there. You let him. And I said, Omar, what's the plan with the kids? You're like, Mikey, I'm going to let him go. And as they get older, I'm going to start tightening it up. And I remember he struck out looking that at bat of one of the game, one of those Mm -hmm. at bats. And you came to the dugout. Simple. You said, hey, are you going to swing the bat today or what? Yeah. Simple. He came up last at bat. Either the next at bat, he had a line drive yeah. to 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 right field. Yeah, and you know, and I and I honestly like, what like what can we do? Like he struck out. Yeah, I I can't go back and say hey, give him one more strike. What's your routine after the game? Whether they have success or failure, you talk to them about it right away. You 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 harp on it the next day. You remind them about it two days later. What's what's your system with your boys, man? What do you do? Well, you know, it's funny because I have three boys and they're all at three different maturity levels. So, like, I can't talk to my little one the same way I talk to my big one. And, like, I treat my big one like a man. Like, hey, one old fastball right in the middle. What happened? Oh, I don't know. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Irene tells me I don't know. Fine. You at least be a man and tell me, like, hey, you weren't ready to hit. You got in the batter's box and you weren't ready to hit. I'll take that answer, and I'll accept it because they're, oh, hey, 
Who's chucking out more in Miami than me? No. No, 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 no. It doesn't exist. And after you, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm on Dito. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So I've been there. I know. I know that your mind is like, I have homework tonight. Oh, fastball. Dang it. So, you know, I'm, I get it. But every level is different. But I, after the game, it's fresh. Let's talk about it. Great friend to my house, 25 minutes. So we have 25 minutes to talk about it. More than enough time. <laughs> Nice. The car, the car ride home. Awesome. Yes. Man. Omar, we got to start wrapping up, man, but this has been awesome. Like, we could be here all night talking. We got to have so him on again. We just scratched the surface with him, man. Did you yeah. finish? Oh, wait. Come on, man. You only got a quarter way through I, that bottle, I was man. waiting for ice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Omar, thank you again for, for being on Diamond Dreams Miami it was up my and fun. in. This was fun. Oh, yeah. Congrats to the Dolphins, really quick. Congrats to the Dolphins. Scratch their way in, man. They're probably going to be out on Sunday. Hey. If you want to play, next but... door is listening, but my, the neighbor is going to the game this weekend. He invited oh, me to go, but he's going it. up. Pastor, have yourself a good trip, man. Love be it. safe. Have fun. And he's a Buffalo fan, though. Hopefully, to a place. Omar, thank you, man. Of course, man. Hey, this was fun. And Mike and I will be back on Thursday. Thursday. We got a special treat. We got uh, Magic City uh, Pizza. pizza. We'll be there. We'll get them on the show. We'll talk a little bit. Got to roll the music again because it (laughs) cut (laughs) cut out there. All good. Hey, Magic City Pizza Thursday. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.